Hey, uh, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to start this thing. I feel like I'm very loud. Welcome to Growing Up Punk with your host, David. <laughs> and with the regular guest host, here's Eric Grubbs. <laughs> like it because it was very much uh very much video game were you going for not video game uh game show host is that what you're going for or like a late night yeah TV? yeah i mean I, I when i when i worked in broadcasting i never actually used that voice yeah but it's totally. just kind of it's just something to make people laugh yeah you know <laughs> uh, uh if if you've seen the movie uh, rock and roll high school Right. There's uh there's a character named Screamin' Steve, and it's played by a guy that went by the name the real Don Steele. Okay. And and he had this very over-the-top kind of personality. Yeah. And uh <laughs> I mean it 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 just I don't know, it's just like it comes out and uh yeah. So you can't control it, man. It just it does it whenever it feels like it. <laughs> from one broadcaster to another, I was just yep. helping you out. You yeah. Know, <laughs> Because it's like, it. oh, no, David's running into technical issues. And I'm all like, <laughs> well, it's time to do the professional game show host. <laughs> it's it's a very good voice. I won't lie. Thank like you. you uh, you've got a very rich voice, I think. Is that the best way to uh, describe it? I think so. Um, rich, rich works. But anyways, like you said, welcome to Growing Up Punk, the podcast about punk rock and all of its friends. My name is David. My friend today, again, uh, he's now a regular returning friend. It is Eric. Welcome back, sir. Hello. And Eric and his beautiful, beautiful voice. Um, <laughs> so we're gonna do we're gonna do another movies episode. So we've only done the one so far. This was an idea that we uh, kind of started throwing around a little while ago. This was actually the movie slash I guess writer director that we're gonna cover uh, today is the one I think that for me anyway started the idea of going hey we could talk about movies and tie it into all of this. So yeah. um, for, for very obvious reasons as we get into it, but this is also a writer and director whom when we first, I think probably maybe the first time we, we chatted like this, uh, I don't remember if it came up in the interview, in the episode that you're initially on talking about your book post, yeah. or if it just kind of came up, you know, in conversation outside of that, but uh, we discovered that we both have a uh, a mutual love of the the work of Kevin Smith. Um, mm -hmm. So we're gonna. I, I realized the the title of this episode, or not the title. I guess the whatever we you know in the artwork and the title itself, we only really featured the movie Clerks. But we're gonna kind of talk a little bit more about Kevin Smith as a filmmaker. Um, yeah. as opposed to just the movie Clerks, but we will, I suppose, spend the most time on that movie. Um, I don't know. Like, <laughs> He's so, currently making a second sequel to the, yeah. the first one. So Yeah, so Clerks 3 at this point in time is, I think it's all shot at this point in time, is it not? I think they finished I, shooting. I think so. Yeah, And uh, probably in the editing stage and probably seeking, uh, seeking distribution for next yeah. year. But. Which, which will fit very well the fact that he's he's as a gone back to the well as he's said before yeah. uh like there's a, a documentary that came with clerks 2 on the dvd anyway uh that he called i think it was called back to the well or something along yes. those lines because he was yep. going back to you know what started it all for him but um mm -hmm. i was gonna say before uh hitting record and then i decided no i'm gonna share it for the podcast uh, i've i've done precisely zero prep for this episode um <laughs> because i was going to in fact like i was gonna run back through clerks i was gonna watch it last night 
I told my wife, Lindsay, I said, hey, we're going to watch Clerks tonight, which uh, a couple years ago I I made her – I made her. It sounds like I forced her. I think she actually enjoyed it. Um, but we went through all of the View Askew Universe movies uh, in preparation for um, – well, there was an evening with Kevin Smith that was rolling around that we had tickets to. It was uh, all ahead of, I think at the time, if I remember correctly, um, he read us a line or like a uh, like a bit of dialogue from Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Like it wasn't being produced yet. He was like, I think basically when he was here, he was sharing how it had just gotten greenlit maybe. Yeah. Um, and so it was happening, but it hadn't, you know, production hadn't started. It had, it had been written. That was about it at that point. Um, but so I, before going to that, I said, we're going to, I'm going to make you watch all the movies. Uh, so we did, we, we sat down and I did the thing where we went through them. I, I want to say we went through them in chronological order, which isn't really saying much in the mm-hmm. sense that I think all that changes is, is instead of watching clerks first, you watch mall rats and then clerks, I think is kind of how it goes. If I remember the the timeline all surrounding the death of Julie Dwyer basically is what, uh, right. what, how it plays out. But, um, but yeah, so, so I said to her, we're going to watch, we're going to watch clerks, you know, again. And she was kind of like, okay, whatever. You know, we kind of just, we watch all sorts of stuff together. Um, and then at about, Oh, what time would it have been? I guess maybe like 10 to eight, my time, seven fifty or so. Yeah. I got this tweet. Um, and earlier in the day, so this goes back a couple of days, actually. Uh, so Zach Lind of Jimmy Eat World, um, <laughs> if you follow him on Twitter, you'll know that he's uh, he's. A big I know where Ari- this is going. Yeah, and you, and you know that he's a big Arizona sports fan for for good reason, like them being an Arizona band, uh, and he, he's a sports fan, so he loves his his Cardinals. And he and has his- a yeah, he has an Arizona sports podcast called Burn yeah. in Hell. Yeah. And, uh, and so he's got, he's in, and obviously he's also a fan of the, the Phoenix Suns. And so he had tweeted something about, you know, oh, the Suns are the best. Well, actually I think the tweet was the Cardinals and the Suns are the best teams in their respective leagues or something, something along those lines. And so I had quote tweeted him saying, uh, Zach is out here pretending like the warrior, like the Suns aren't a full game back of the Warriors in the standings. And I just like left it at that. I was kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, I, I'm a, I'll, I'll, I'll admit it. I'm, I wouldn't say I'm a bandwagon Warriors fan, but I'm not really a diehard fan. I, I really get behind the Warriors when I'm more like, I'm a hockey fan first, even though I'd much rather, if I'm going to live sports, I'd much rather go watch basketball or baseball to be perfectly honest than hockey. Um, but when following teams and watching sports on TV. I'm, I'm hockey first. It's I'm Canadian. That's the way I am. And so when there was, it timed out really well when my team that I cheer for was absolutely horrible. The warriors were just starting to get good. And I was a Steph Curry fan from, you know, that one magical March madness, however many years ago with Davidson, I can remember kind of like getting swept up in that a little bit. Right. And so, you know, I kind of kept track, I guess you kept tabs on, on Steph Curry and, There was a year we went to San Francisco and the Warriors, I want to say it was maybe like their first year in the playoffs with Curry and, or something. And, but I just remember San Francisco, the city just being like on fire for the Warriors. I was like, Oh, this is kind of fun. You know, we were there for a few days and there's just like Warriors signage all over the place. There's playoffs. And obviously they didn't do anything, but I decided I'm like, ah, I want to get back into basketball next year. 
And so I, you know, tuned in to so many Warriors games that year. And that was the year they lost in the first round to the Clippers. Like, it was like the first year I really started watching, which then the next year they won their championship. And that was, you know, off they went, off to the races. They were just a ridiculously good team for for a few years there. And they're they're really good again. But anyway, he he responds, which I didn't expect. He responds to the tweet and he says, yeah, but have the Warriors won 16 games in a row, which at that point the Phoenix Suns had. And I said, no. And then I just sort of left it at that. Or actually, I said, no, but now that I have your attention, would you come on my podcast and share your <laughs> your top five Jimmy Eat World songs? Which he didn't respond to, right? Just left oh. it. And I was kind of like, okay. So then a few days after that, the Warriors and the Suns are scheduled to play. Uh, and it's on, you know, NBA on TNT, Tuesday night game. It's a big second game of a doubleheader, big game. And so I tweeted earlier in the day and I said, hey, Zach Lind, if the Warriors win... Uh, will you come on Growing Up Punk to share, you know, your top five Jimmy World songs? And so it got, like, there were people, like, you know, tweeting it and responding and whatever, but he wasn't saying anything. And then uh, and then finally, it was literally, like, maybe half hour to tip off or something. And I was like, he hasn't responded. So I sent out another tweet. And I said, hey, you know, it's almost tip off time. Are Are we on or what? Or something along those lines, right? And it was a few minutes later when I was sitting there getting ready to watch Clerks when he responds and says, sure, you know, the Suns are going to win anyways, but whatever, you know, what do I get if, if, uh, if I win or whatever. And so, you know, I was like, wow, what am I going to like, what am I offering you in return sort of thing? Right. And I was like, I guess like I could buy a Jimmy world record that I don't already own on vinyl. Like we could, we could do that or something. Right. <laughs> so the funny thing is, so then I was like, all right, well, He's he's agreed to this, so I'm gonna watch this game. Um, you know, closer than I was planning on. You know, like maybe initially I would have just had it playing on the phone while watching Clerks or something. But so this game's happening, and in the end, uh, Phoenix ends up winning. So you know, it's it's all a bust for me in that regard. But the funny thing was, is he had never responded to whether or not he still. He, you know, the bet was still on when I said this is what you know you get if if the Suns win. And so I sent out a tweet. It was probably like half hour, maybe after the game. And I said, so I wonder if Zach Lind accepts the the uh, terms of the deal or if he's just taking his W and going to bed. <laughs> and, then he, <laughs> and then he responds. He's like, the Warriors needed to win, man. Am I the only one who gives a shit about the rules? And I was like, so then I had to clarify. I was like, no, 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 no. I wasn't asking you to come on the podcast. You're right. The bet was the Warriors had to win. I was asking if you know what you wanted in return sort of thing but then he, he's kind of like the one hit wonder in the sense that he responds once and then it's like it just gets lost <laughs> you know he like he doesn't come back to it so i never heard back so i'm like well i they don't have any i guess no they had one record for sale on their website so i'm like i might be down to like having to buy something off amazon if that's the case you know the 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 old monster that we talked about you know a couple months ago or however long ago and um and if that's the case, the only thing that's on there is, uh, oh, what's it called? Shoot. Uh, damage, I think. Dam no, it's integrity. Yeah, it's integrity blues that's on there, though. Sorry. Okay. And I'm like, eh, it's a fine record, but, you know, it's it's not at the top of my list to buy, but he never got back to me, so I haven't purchased it. <laughs> but it was, it was a fun little thing, and it derailed me from watching Clerks and doing any sort of prep for this episode, so the rest is all downhill from here. Well... If uh, if you don't hear anything from him, yeah, <laughs> uh, 
just let me know and I can try to put in a good word. <laughs> I think I feel like so he's responded a few times and the Warriors actually at the time of recording this, the Warriors and Suns play again in a couple days. So part of me is like debating. I'm like, do I like hit him again and be like, listen, double down. Here's the thing, though. If the Warriors win, you come on the podcast. If the Suns win, you come on the podcast, but I do the whole episode in a Suns jersey. <laughs> just seeing if he'll just play ball. But uh, I'm also kind of like, yeah, whatever. You know, I I, sh- I I shot my shot. Yeah, I guess that's a phrase. That makes sense. I shot my shot and the Warriors let me down. So um, maybe we just move on from now. And then uh, in the future, I hit him up again. Who knows? We'll see. We'll see what happens. But, Sack's a great dude. I'll, oh, I'll yeah. tell you this. Like he, I... I I, just, I've interviewed him uh, a couple of times and he's yeah. just nothing but nice. I'm sure I could like try to go official ways to get, you know, a hold of band sometimes, but I'm like, it's way more fun if you're just like hitting them up on Twitter and they actually respond or Instagram or whatever. You're like, Oh shoot, sweet. You actually checked your Instagram or your Twitter or what have you. And, and here we are uh, getting ready, to, getting ready to discuss this. That's awesome. But yeah, he, he is somebody that has never forgotten what it's like to play music and not a lot of people care and um and so there's of course machinery with publicists and everything Mm. say if they're in a uh you know uh promotion cycle but um you know when i talked to him last year he was very easily uh to approach he was very kind uh he was very generous with his time so uh yeah i did you did you speak to him last for your for your upcoming book? Is that yeah. what you spoke to him about? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, just certain things that I needed some... It was funny. It was after I talked with Justin on the Jimmy Eat Pod oh, podcast yeah. that introduced you and me yep. to each yep. other. Yeah. And so um, there were some things that were brought up that I was like, I need Zach to clarify this. <laughs> um, specifically, there are some demos that have been credited as Jimmy Eat World songs, but mm. they're actually, it was the band that Tom Linton had before Jimmy Eat World or gotcha. that had a number of names and they briefly had the name Jimmy Eat World, but it was not the official name of the band, if oh, that makes funny. sense. Yeah, yeah, that's that's funny. There's um, So Zach explained that to me. So like... For someone to take the time to explain that to someone like me, <laughs> right? I mean that that shows the kind of integrity that Zach has. So yeah, um, good dude, good good dude. Oh yeah, I was gonna say there's some weird connection with Zach and like worship, like Christian worship music, which I feel like we talked about. Did we? I don't know if we got into like talking church and Christian music last time, but uh, Zach Lind, uh, obviously the drummer of the band Jimmy Eat World, played drums on uh, the on a, on a few tracks by a band by the name of the David Crowder Band, which I remember seeing that in like the early 2000s. Like he writes like massive like church worship song sort of things. And so that always blew my mind a little bit. I'm, I'm curious to know like what that connection was uh, and how he got involved in that. And I felt like someone... Um, I felt like there was someone else from Jimmy Eat World that also played on that, but I don't, on the personnel, I don't see. Well, I can tell you this, this little bit of trivia that I'm not sure I even put in the Jimmy Eat World chapter, but yeah. the uh, in the church that 
Zach and his wife got married in was the mm. same church where Jimmy Eat World recorded a demo. Okay, yeah. And it's like in the same like area of the church. That's awesome. So, <laughs> That's pretty so, yeah. cool. Yeah. Uh, Jimmy, this little conversation about Jimmy Eat World is pretty fitting because we are going to talk about them. Um, yeah. But uh, maybe we'll come back to them because let's let's talk a little bit about Clerks and Kevin Smith and the oh, yeah. whole world because, I mean, that's why we're here. We're here to talk about some movies. So do you remember um, the first time that you saw this movie? Yes. Uh, I saw Clerks on VHS and this was a copy from our local blockbuster and it had been watched so many times that there was a solid blue line over the top of the screen. <laughs> yeah. And so I had never seen a quote unquote indie movie before. Yeah. yeah. Um, and I had heard about how clerks, oh, it's so funny, but I couldn't stop focusing on the blue line. <laughs> and uh, to show like how I grew up a very goody two shoes kind of kid, uh, I was alarmed at how much cursing was in it not because it was like offensive to me it was more of what am i going to do when my parents walk into the day right. and they yeah. hear this yeah um because uh you know my i wouldn't say my parents were like you know well how, i'll put it like this i remember seeing back to the future part two in the theater yeah and with my friends while my parents sat behind us and my and during the previews, my mom said to my dad, "Oh, we're not going to go see that. That's trash." <laughs> and so, you know, occasionally my mom would walk by something that me or my sister would watch and be like, "Oh, that's trash." <laughs> and so my thought is is like having very frank discussions about oral sex, right? Uh, and uh, spitballing or snowballing, yep. snowballing, yeah, snowballing. Um, and uh and just jason muse being who he is right i just figured oh i would be so embarrassed and i should also add i was in college when this was <laughs> so i was still under the specter of just being such a goody two shoes right yeah yeah but what if they the, find out <laughs> yeah so the thing was is that i watched it and then i watched it with a friend of mine who was like oh like 12 or 13 years older than me and he couldn't stop laughing and i was kind of like what what do you see so funny about this and so i talked with my friends who they got me into the pixies and other you know kind of off the beaten path bands mm. and uh they they loved uh clerks and this was also around the time that chasing amy came out and i remember feeling a little jealous that they got to go hang out with Kevin, who did a special screening of it in yeah. the rice in the in the rice village, uh, and they got to hang out at a coffee shop afterwards. And I remember being like, you know, so envious of my friends Matt and Tim and Chris that they got to you know kind of just really shoot the shit with Kevin. Yeah. So uh, um, that was how I was introduced to them. And then I had seen mall rats and I thought it was absolutely hilarious. Yeah. Um, and, but chasing Amy really kind of sealed the deal. And it's to the point now where I watched certain scenes from chasing Amy over and over again on DVD when I was in college that I could still 
almost quote a lot of these lines, even though I haven't watched the movie in a long time. Yeah. And I can't remember if I brought this up on my first episode with you, but Kevin Smith has a very important role in yeah. how me and my wife got together. Yeah, you, you shared the story. I don't remember the, okay. the specifics, so, so you can share it again. Okay, so the basic of it is this, is that uh, Kevin becomes very, very popular with his Q&As. Mm-hmm. And I had a lot of concern about being around the kind of embarrassing fans. It's it's like in every subgenre, you know, whether it's Monty Python or hardcore punk or, yeah. <laughs> you know, where it's it's like, you're a fan, but you don't act in a way that you agree with in public, if that makes sense. Right. And so I finally mustered up the courage to just get over myself. And I wrote a short little funny thing for the Dallas Observer about nine things, nine questions you shouldn't ask Kevin Smith. (laughs) And I went to the Texas theater and um, unbeknownst to me, but a woman a few seats down from me was in the same row and I was blown away by this Q and a where Kevin gave this epic two hour response to one question, but it was so inspiring. But as I was leaving, there were all these people that were complaining that he only answered one question. So the thing was, is that I wrote a blog post about it and I tweeted about it and hope had responded to it. Like she was inspired by it. Right. And, um, things escalated pretty quickly to where uh, I asked her to be on my podcast. She was starting her own horror themed podcast. I asked her to be on mine and um, uh, October 5th of 2015 was the first day that we met and we were married November 17th, 2017. And we just celebrated our four year wedding anniversary. That's awesome. And a couple of years ago, we didn't get to meet Kevin and Jason, and they were very, very nice. And That's awesome. Yeah. If you want the proof that we met those guys, <laughs> it's my Facebook cover photo. Oh, so nice. I have a long history with Kevin, and yeah, and it's all very good. That um, means, but if but if I want to see that photo, that means I have to go onto Facebook, which is. Not so common for me to do these days. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like, I mean, we communicate over Messenger. Right. Um, and that's, I mean, I guess I've, I've heard that you can use Messenger without a Facebook account. Uh, that's interesting. Yeah, I guess. But, um, but that, like, that's the main reason that I have. It. And that, like our, the podcast Instagram is connected to a Facebook page and all this. So there are right. other reasons, but I don't, I don't know the last time I was on Facebook to just like see what was up all of my social media is Twitter and, and Instagram. And then if I want like stupid hours of entertainment, I'm just swiping through TikTok. <laughs> it's ridiculous. But my, yeah, my story with Kevin Smith in that whole world of movies at first, it's, it's, it's great that, you know, your introduction was, was watching clerks on a VHS from Blockbuster because I've heard Kevin say this and I don't know if it's verifiable or not, but he's been told that it's like the most stolen videotape from uh, video, like re- uh, video rental stores in, in history. Um, he's shared that on, I want to say podcasts as well as at, you know, like Q and A's that I've been to and whatever, which the Q and A's yeah. are funny too, because you know, you'll see there'll be a, like a lineup of 
say like 25 people deep and you're like I'm sorry but if you're outside of the top five there's a like the first five you're not getting your question even close to you know asked I, and answered <laughs> I can verify that and I was fortunate to ask a first question nice. when he was in Denton a few yeah. years ago and I think there's a podcast still up of me asking the question oh that's awesome yeah and uh his answer was that's a really good question no one's ever asked me that in a Q and A, and I'm like, yes, yes, yes. And then, and then he moved on. Next question. No, 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 no. He gave me a he gave a 45 minute response. Oh, that's awesome. That's but great. he ended up answering, I think, like 10 different people that night. Yeah. So that's a, it, that's a lot for him. <laughs> it, it was incredible, and uh, yeah, yeah. So, so it it it, it always kind of seems like there are people that it's a very word of mouth thing about you know. If you've ever worked in retail, you can relate to clerks. Right. Yeah. You know, whether yeah. you've worked in a convenience store or not. Um, mm. I mean, I remember working at Best Buy and really relating to, you know, when they when they're swapping stories about uh you know, the 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 silly questions that they're yeah. asked by customers and they, yeah. they didn't yeah. know, but they're asked by the same people. Yeah, yeah. Um, what would you get for a six year old boy who chronically wets his bed? <laughs> Do you have that one with that guy who was in that movie that was out last year? <laughs> yeah, I like I I worked at a at a gas station for three years, um, so definitely wow. got, got a lot of that. That was like right out of high school as my first job, and then held onto it for it was it was great because it was literally like so similar to Clerks in the sense that it was just a hangout spot for friends, right? Like yeah. I, I'd work shifts, and there would just be like you know, one or two friends that would just be like hanging out, especially if it was an evening shift that I was working because it wasn't super busy and the boss wasn't there. So then they'd just come and, you know, sit on the counter or whatever and just hang out. But, yeah. uh, but back to my introduction to, to Kevin Smith, I was actually the first movie of his that I saw was also on VHS, but it was mall rats. Uh, I, I, you know, had a sleepover with a friend and we rented some movies and we rented mall rats and train spotting and both of these movies were rented <laughs> well before I was like at an age where I could really grasp what these movies, especially like Train Spotting, right? Like, yeah. Um, but I remember, I remember watching Mallrats, and at that time, it didn't really do a whole whole lot for me. It wasn't until a couple of years later, like when I was into high school, that really I started like gravitating towards his movies. So I want to say it probably went something like. I remembered Mallrats and I probably maybe a friend brought it up or something at some point in time. And then it was the whole, oh, well, that's this guy. And he made all of these other movies that were currently out at that time. Right. Um, right. Which I want to say he would have had Dogma out or Dogma was coming out ah, somewhere in, yeah. that, in that vicinity. But um, but yeah, so then it became this thing of going, OK, well, now I need to watch, you know, all of them. You know, and at, at the time that wasn't that much of an undertaking. You know, now he's right. got, he's branched out a little, and and especially if you start getting into things that, you know, maybe you know he was just involved in in one way or another, right? But uh, it became this thing where I was like, okay, I got to own them all, which I still I got rid of, I've gotten rid of numerous like DVDs over the years, and then even to the point where okay, I'm keeping these movies, but I've gotten rid of the cases and they're just in a book, right? Like, cause I mean, I'd, I don't know the last time I pulled my DVDs out because everything's just streaming these days, but all of my Kevin Smith movies that I own are still like in their, 
you know, I still have the cases. Like I, I, I was grabbing Clerks X earlier. Uh, yeah. I was like, oh, this might be handy to have on hand. And it happens to be right beside me. Um, and so, uh, yeah, like he's, he's just been a filmmaker that even though I don't necessarily, like I haven't seen, you know, like yoga hosers or, uh, <laughs> moose jaws or tusk or like any of the stuff he's put out. I think the, like the latest movie that I've seen of his is red state. Um, Wow. I, yeah. Like, well, no, that's a lie because obviously Jane Silent Bob reboot came out after Red State and stuff like that. But, yeah. but as far as those like branching outside of that comfort zone of his, Red State, I think is the last one I've seen. So, and I know I'm like, he, he made a whole nother series of movies, right? Like that are, you know, from what I understand, connected to each other as well. And I'm like, I should probably watch those at some point in time, but I just haven't well, gotten around to it. He has yet to make Moose Jaws. Okay, um, so that's just one he's talked about forever then. Yeah, he's he's wanted to do that for a long time. Because yeah. uh, it was Tusk, then Yoga Hosers, and then Moose Jaws will be the end of that trilogy. Right, yeah. And, um, you know, I, I understand that there's a lot of hate directed towards him. <laughs> sure. Uh, but I've always found some sort of connection with the material yoga hosers is pretty out there and he likes to make jokes about it um i'll be honest i didn't laugh a single time watching cop out uh, uh, I, maybe i did see that one actually uh, yeah. uh but again that was like one of those ones where i'm like i probably when it came out i probably was just like well this is weird you know <laughs> like that he's yeah. involved in the same with when he was in uh the Die Hard movie, right? I specifically yeah. went to whichever Die Hard it was because I was like, wait, Live Kevin free Smith or Die Hard. Yeah, yeah. It's like Kevin Smith is in this. So um, there, yeah, there are the odd ones that I've gone outside of that too, but uh, I don't remember liking Cop Out in the least. I, I've just found that his philosophy is very relatable about whether, whether or not you like his movies, mm -hmm. the movies that he makes. I mean, he's just making movies that he wants to see. Yeah. And um, just having that attitude of like skate where the puck is going um, and, uh, you know, and just uh, yeah, having why not people in your life. I mean, it's like this is important stuff to keep in mind. And, uh, you know, it's it's something that Hope and I connected with like right away. And we're we still are each other's why not person. Mm. Um and so when it comes to clerks, I mean, there's this primal kind of just gritty side of it that you could only really make with your first film. Right. And which leads to, you know, us paralleling that with bands that say put out records on indie labels mm -hmm. and then they went to a major label. Yeah. And, and the thing is, is that there was a huge jump uh, between Clerks and Mallrats, whereas, you know, Clerks was made for independent, uh, all, all under independent means, then Miramax bought it. Yeah. But then Universal gave Kevin a great opportunity to make kind of a silly movie. He makes a silly movie, and practically all the people that praised him, are they totally turned the opposite way and said this is absolute garbage <laughs> and it was just like such an odd thing but the thing is is that fans like us have given mall rats its proper due right. and that is such a common thing that happens especially with punk bands 
and we have a few bands that we like to talk about yeah. uh but it's like it's it's very similar how like you know you come off of like a strong debut and then you do something that's also very you but you're having to deal with more people and so yeah. things can be a little bit different yeah and um and so like that's where you get into murky waters and but then like you'll look back and people be like man this record or this movie didn't really connect with me at first, but later on it did. Yeah. And I think like I had never really drawn that kind of parallel with, you know, films in general, but Kevin Smith particularly. And then, you know, the music that I've grown up and fallen in love with over the course of my life. But it's really kind of interesting because with, with Kevin Smith, obviously clerks, you know, he literally made it, on his own credit card, like his own insurance claim, like all this stuff, like this story of how that movie got made, just completely did it his own way, how he wanted or could do it. And then, you know, he gets that offer from Universal. And it's funny because I'd be curious to know how many, you know, obviously there's this uh, there's this thing going on as time goes on, but I've seen, um, I want to say, I want to say it was... Uh, Tom from Washed Up Emo that was sharing like maybe it was spin reviews on like records that came out like in the post hardcore emo world that initially got bad reviews and then they revised those reviews so many years later to be like oh you know like this album like Clarity for instance oh, that's... from Jimmy World is like now it's this magnificent piece of art right and like at the time they gave it a low grade or whatever that's not spin that's pitchfork pitchfork there you go um yeah. but so I'd be curious to see you know, some of those critics who, you know, maybe disliked Mallrats at the time, but loved Clerks, like what they would say about Mallrats. Now, Mallrats for me was always actually my, for the longest time, was probably my favorite Kevin Smith movie. And I think that was because it was my first Kevin Smith movie, right? Right. As I mentioned. But, uh, and then there was a time where Chasing Amy was that movie. And, you know, I'm sure... When you were saying like you watch you know specific scenes over and over again, the one that I was picturing was uh, where where what's his name? Um, Hooper X? No, no, no. Oh, uh, no. I was gonna say is it um, Banky and what's Ben Affleck's character? Holden. Holden. Yeah. When he's like just pouring his heart out to Alyssa in the yeah. in the vehicle, it's like pouring out, right? Like I for sure copped that audio from the movie, and like I had recorded a song for well she's now my wife, but at the time my girlfriend and in the middle of this song, I'd specifically written like this long, it's just an acoustic song thing, you know, super yearning, whiny, crying vocals. And in the middle, I had written this like extended instrumental bit. So I could literally put this bit in there, right. Where he's just like pouring his heart out. And I was like, <laughs> so like just the stereotypical, like classic, um, high school hormonal, emo kid right like for the for lack of a better term the emo kid but yeah um except i wasn't i was i was out of high school by the time i did that so <laughs> i can't even claim i was in high school uh but but Does like she remember this you know we had it on cd for the longest time like on a burn cd I, I wonder if it's still around she probably would if i like if i i don't know if if i could if she would remember i because i can't remember the song itself I can just remember that I did this, right? And so uh, obviously right. that was more memorable than the song. <laughs> Kevin Smith's writing was much better than mine. Um, 
but to like see so many bands too that kind of had that thing where they went one way and then especially because you know obviously post green day and all this stuff where all these pop punk bands and punk bands and post hardcore bands are just being swooped up uh there's obviously so many that had an opportunity to all of a sudden go big as it were and yeah. whether that you know that was successful or not varies from artist to artist it is funny because as i was trying to think of examples of you know a band that went from an indie that was loved and then went to the majors and then didn't hit it and then went back to the indies and then, you know, people were all over them again. I was like, I don't know if I could, I couldn't quite come up with a specific example, but you know, we, you tossed out Jawbreaker. that came out before going majors before going to dear you were just were loved right and then dear you comes out and again this is where i work i guess maybe a little backwards for the longest time and it probably still is my favorite jawbreaker record but that was the one that introduced me to them that was the first jawbreaker record i heard and i remember going like oh this guy's got a really cool voice like that's what i remember taking away from it right like um and then to hear about this band that people are like 
oh, this is their worst record. By far, it's their worst record, right? And then now, however many years later, like when I interviewed Rich Egan, I asked him because he, I was like, what did you think of Dear You when it came out? Because he talked about how much he loved Jawbreaker. He's like, oh, I fucking hated it. I was like, yep. what do you think about it now? Oh, I love it. Like, yep. <laughs> you know, so and I put him on the spot for this next book about like, well, why did you hate it at the time? Mm. And it, it was just like he was so hung up on the things that had really nothing to do with the music itself. Right. Just, just the principle about being a band that said we're never going to sign to a major label. Right. And they signed to a major label for all the good that, you know, like Ian Mackay and that whole scene did for, you know, the music that would come years later. That kind of mentality, which I think kind of gets, he's not alone in that, but I feel like, I don't know if he was the most vocal about it, maybe. And obviously, like, just the way that he operated with, with you know, Fugazi specifically, because, like, um, that was clearly the biggest and longest running band that he had. But the fact that with Fugazi, they never signed to a major label. And I wanna, I'm want to i going to assume never even entertained that. Maybe they did. I don't know. No, they never did. But to have um, that mentality, right? And obviously then the Gilman Street sort of stuff where once you sign to a major label, fuck off type thing, right? Like yeah. Oh, you're yeah. not allowed to play here. So it was it was ingrained, but at the you know, that was kind of one of the things that always drove me crazy. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't checked this book out yet, I cannot recommend it enough. Uh, but Dan Ozzy just put out a book called Sell Out, mm. and the first chapter is devoted to Green Day. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> jump right in. <laughs> yeah. There are chapters to the distillers Thursday, uh, rise against, um, at the drive in. Mm. And I mean, it's, it's a great read and, yeah. um, and yes, I'll be biased here. I'll show my bias. It's like post was, uh, you know, cited in it. Jawbreaker has a chapter. Mm. I mean, I learned some more stuff about jawbreaker that I didn't know. Yeah. And, it, it, you know, it's it's just it's kind of difficult to explain to, say, a teenager today about why was it a big deal about which label that you're on? Yeah. Because what label you're on at the time and for decades, it meant that if you were on a label that could get your record into every store in the world and could get you on TV that and MTV and the radio that means that a band that you really like and feel a, a deep connection with and not a lot of other people have a deep connection with now you have to share it with people that you don't necessarily like right um and that's where you know people would get very angry with bands that would say sign to a larger label or a major label mm. um but when it came to like you know, bands that had a successful run on indies then went to a major and either broke up after the major or after the major record or went back to an indie. Uh, we're, we were kind of hard pressed to find uh, a good uh, number of bands to talk about. But yeah. Jawbreaker is a great example. Um, I threw into the hat H2O. <laughs> Trust the cops 
incredible uh, self-titled record and then did two records on epitaph and then they wound up on mca records yeah yeah <laughs> and and uh and it was a very very polished record that wasn't necessarily you know it's, the album was called go and it's yeah. uh you know i i loved h2o for a number of years and i still think toby morris is a great dude but uh, I just remember not connecting with Go, and it wasn't because of the label it was on. It was just like I'd kind of moved on from, you know, like how many upbeat pep talks do I want to hear, it, you know, <laughs> yeah. from from that. So so you have uh, a band like that. Um, you had MXPX who mm-hmm. put out some great records on A and M. Yeah, but uh, they had they had gone from being like a super fast technical kind of lag wagon meets the descendants meets uh dead milkman sort of band to having much more of a straight ahead sound with slow and going slowly going the way of the buffalo uh the ever passing moment which mm-hmm. is more like an elvis costello yeah and the attractions uh homage yeah and then um they did uh, the one record that i i honestly had avoided for all those years but it um it's the one that they did after that that I don't think I ever really got into with the the belt buckle. Yeah, on the cover, that one's called like, that one's called before everything and after, which is yeah, which is great that you said you didn't get into it until after that. <laughs> yeah, well, it's like I actually got into it 
after we did our first episode, I was all like, okay. hey, this record is actually not as bad because I thought they were pressured to be kind of like a good Charlotte sort of pop punk band. Right. And I listened to it. I was like, man, I totally slept on on like some great songs. Yeah. But uh, but it yeah, it's it's that weird perception that if you're going to a bigger label that you are leaving behind the people that helped make you who you are. Mm-hmm. The thing is, is that you have to follow your own muse. That's what Kevin Smith has done. You know, whether or not you like yoga hosers or, or Tusk or Red State. You're not, you're not going to make a Jason Muse joke there about following his own muse. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, come yeah. on. Come on. I'm, I'm a muse, stupid. Yeah, there's, yeah. A, there's a dogma <laughs> reference for you. Yeah. Um, oh, man. Yeah, but, and, and by, by the way, I just have to say this before I forget, is that my wife and I will randomly quote Kevin Smith movies like yeah. all the time, even yeah. though it's been a while since we, I think the last Kevin Smith movie that we watched together was Jay and Silent Bob reboot in the theater. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, you know, it's like, I'll say stuff like, why the long face, Horace? Yeah. You know, or snooch, I, snooch to the nooch. I'll know? say, tell him Steve Dave. Just out of no, like, and to like nobody in particular that would know what the reference is, right? Like, yeah, just often I'll be like, if someone, you know, is talking back about, you know, say someone's complaining about something at work, I'll just be like, tell them, Steve Dave. And I'm like, you have yeah. no idea what I'm talking about. But like, so I just, uh, a few days after you celebrated your fourth wedding anniversary, yeah. I, I turned 37 and I was waiting, oh, waiting until man. my birthday so I could say, I could just tweet, I'm, quote in a row years old now and i was like just <laughs> leaving it right like like let's see do people get it you know and so um i've been i've been waiting because anytime i hear 37 i immediately go in a row like <laughs> yeah it's just, it's just yeah. the way it's the way it works which i mean yeah like when i get together with friends i have a specific friend who we made a trip actually so it's funny you bring up mxpx because uh I don't know how many years ago this was now, probably five years ago or so. Anyway, we made a trip. There was him, myself, and then two other guys. We drove down from here to Seattle to see MXPX. And uh, they were, Five Iron Frenzy was opening for them. And so it had been years since I'd seen MXPX. It was kind of around the time when they were kind of just getting back together as you know, the band proper. Cause there was that time where, you know, like touring playing live, it was just Mike with a yeah. group of musicians at one point, which included Chris Rowe, which is pretty rad. But, um, but anyway, so we went down and we decided we're like, okay, this whole trip, it was literally a whirlwind trip. We left at I think eight or nine o'clock in the evening, drove the 15 hours or whatever it is to Seattle overnight. Like, so drove in shifts and then got to Seattle around, lunchtime just before lunchtime so we went like downtown hung out for a few hours whatever did uh pike place did the experience music project you know went and saw the nirvana thing and whatever and then um that night we wanted to go to shoot what is it there's a there's a pizza place that's referenced in a dead it's either dead kennedy's or dead milkman song that's in seattle uh and i think we tried to go but it ended up being closed or something but anyway um, I think we were going to go after the show and it was closed. Maybe that's what it was. But so anyway, we, we go see MXPX and then the next morning we get up and drive home. Right. So it was just like, 
the stupid crazy trip that was a lot of fun but we decided on the whole drive that we were just going to watch Kevin Smith movies because this was like a group of guys where like we all grew up on it. And so it was just like, we were possibly more excited about going through all of the Kevin Smith movies on this road trip than anything else that weekend. (laughs) And, uh, it was, it was a ton of fun. Like I had all the DVDs. So I was like, yeah, dude, I'll bring them. Like I've, I've got them. No problem. Here we go. Let's do this. And so, uh, yeah. And it's interesting that you brought up MXPX too, because I, I, we hadn't, planned on talking about them they were a band that i was trying when i was trying to think of bands going from an indie to a major but at the same point i was like yeah but slowly going the way of the buffalo is my favorite mxpx record of all time right like so yeah. um they in my eyes they definitely did not flop on on the majors even though like you know ever passing moments all right before everything and after is probably my least favorite mxpx record and then they went back to the indies and kind of you know eventually found their groove again but for me anyways, for my money. But what MXPX does really well that Kevin Smith does really well too, is just making things that they love, but also really knowing how to please their fans. Yeah. You know, so like, yeah. Is Clerks 3 going to make him a, you know, is it going to be a blockbuster smash? Hell no. But he knows that the people who love Kevin Smith movies are going to enjoy that movie. Same with Jay and Silent Bob reboot, right? Like, I mean, it's loaded with just, you know, like winks and nods and all this stuff. And he's always been that way, you know, as tying characters in, at least within the Viewers universe sort of stuff, right? Like that was always, he wanted to load his movies with references. And, you know, he was, I thought I saw someone post, maybe they tweeted it and then he retweeted it or something about how Kevin Smith actually created the first cinematic universe um, because he, you know, tied all these movies together. Like they're obviously yeah. like playing alongside Marvel, but then, you know, I don't, I don't know what, what qualifies as a cinematic universe as it was, but, um, how many movies you need to make that are tied together in that sense. But, uh, yeah, like he's just always been really good at saying, Hey, thanks for supporting me. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's one for you sort of thing. Right. And then he might go, yeah. okay, I'm going to try something a little different. And whether it works or not, then it's going to be, okay, here's one for you. You know, like, I, yeah. I just absolutely love it. Yeah. I mean, it, it just all the, you know, Julie Dwyer and, you know, Alyssa mm-hmm. Jones and uh, the, the tie-ins with characters that are briefly in Clerks that you later yeah. see in, whether it's Mallrats or uh, uh, Chasing Amy. And then there's uh, Brian O'Halloran playing a right. different uh, Hicks. Hicks. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he's Dante Hicks, and then he's Grant Hicks in yeah. Dogma. Grant, is it, yeah, and he's Gil Hicks in uh, in uh, Mallrats when he's on the game show. Uh, yeah. What else? Yeah, yeah. But that's that. And then there's um, oh no, he's Grant Hicks in Dogma, and he's the that's the reporter, right? Yes. Yeah. Okay. I'm trying yeah. to think if he plays any other Hicks or if it's just the three, because obviously he brings Dante back a few times. <laughs> yes. Yeah. 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 And, um, and so like, and also seeing Jeff Anderson show up here and there, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause he has a cameo in dogma. Yep. Um, and yep. that was after years of, they had a, you know, Jeff and Kevin had a huge falling out. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they were going to make clerks three and Kevin has never said who, pulled the plug on it but i'm pretty sure it was jeff anderson right. that was like i'm i'm don't have complete faith in the script and, oh. but uh thankfully they worked on it they 
certain elements were put taken out of Clerks 3 and put into Jay and Silent Bob reboot. Right. And now Clerks 3 is a completely different new script. I don't know if I heard and, that. That's cool. And Jeff, and see, this is what happens when you you have me on your show. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like these random things will just kind of learn sometime. Yeah, yeah, no, it's awesome. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so they just did a whole new script for Clerks 3. And, um, and he hasn't, this isn't a spoiler or anything because he's been very open about it, but it starts off with Randall has a life-threatening heart attack and he mm. decides to make a movie about working in a convenience store. Sounds familiar. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it, so the meta stuff really, you know, kicks in and everything. And, but yeah. you would kind of expect that. And so like, you know, he, he makes movies for his fans. The fans will show up. Believe you me, they do show up and they're very passionate. My wife and I are two of them. Mm -hmm. And so when it comes to bands that say are, uh, you know, Jimmy Eat World fans, but they remember the first self-titled record and uh, how it was a very small run and then they end up on a major label. That doesn't work out uh, for them as far as being a major label band on Capitol. Right. He, not not to disrespect static prevails or definitely and definitely not clarity. This time it's on my own. It's from
but what um, the trajectory of how you know they end up on RCA, well, first DreamWorks and yeah. then Interscope and then RCA, um, and uh, you know it's it's now to the point where you know fans will love the older material, but they also embrace the new material. And and they're a very self-sustaining band that they yeah. can just be who they are and do what they want to do, and I think that's the kind of for the people that want to do this in the long run, that's something that you would want to do as somebody that is putting out your creative expressions, whether or not you're a director or you play in a band. Yeah, the thing about Jimmy World that I think is so great is they have to be one of the most consistent bands that just like found their sound and were able to stick to it and consistently consistently release just like really good records like now obviously they're not all you know clarities or bleed americans or futures right like they're not they're not all going to be that but even my least favorite jimmy world records are still good records you know what i mean like there's not one in their library um now i i won't lie i haven't really heard much of the self-titled one that you mentioned um seeing as it's not on any streaming services you literally got you got to dig that up but um just pull it up on youtube yeah well and that's where i've heard the bits and pieces from it is on youtube but uh but like everything from static prevails on obviously static prevails into clarity they're really figuring that sound out and then you know, bleed American. It was like, this is Jimmy eat world as we are going to know them for the foreseeable future. Right. Like, yeah, this is the sound that we're going to have. And, um, but what I love about them and tying it in back to Kevin Smith and, and clerks and stuff like that is, you know, Kevin going from clerks doing it on his own to going to mall rats, you know, with, you know, big studio, and it not doing so well, even though, you know, I think they tasked him with basically writing a Clerks 2 type thing, but it's in the mall type, deal, I think was the yeah. idea, right? Like it's, it's, and when you look at it, yeah, it's essentially the same thing. Sure, they're moving around a little bit more because they're in a mall and they can um, versus, you know, being in two storefronts that they're shooting, you know, in the middle of the night type thing. Like they've got not a, little a bit mall. Of, the mall, the mall? Show, yeah. some, show some respect yeah okay. you know there's, all, right, all, right, there's, all right there's a mall that uh isn't very far from here that i will go to on occasion because it's got a record store which with each passing visit uh i'm kind of getting less and less intrigued by but when i first went that was like where i was buying my lifetime records and a few different like really, yeah really great records but i always refer to it as the dirt mall even though <laughs> it's it's not a you know by by the definition of what the dirt mall is in mall rats is basically almost the equivalent of a, like a flea market is what it reminds me of. Right. Like, it's, yeah, it's very oh. much a dirt mall. <laughs> Whereas this that, is just like one, it's just a crappy, you know, community mall type thing. But let me, let me share this with you. And this yeah. is actually something that I told Kevin when I met him, when, when hope and I met him after the screening is that most of Jay and silent Bob reboot was filmed in new Orleans where yeah. I was born and right. lived there until I was eight. Now the big thing when I was a kid, was the Esplanade Mall. It was just like this super posh, nice mall. Yeah. Well, it has fallen on hard times, and it's used in Jay and Silent, Silent Bob Reboot. Yeah. It's where uh, Brody's uh, new store is, you know, okay, Jay yeah. and Silent Bob's secret stash. Yeah. Or it just, just his store that's modeled yeah. off the stash. And I was shocked to see how dilapidated it had become. <laughs> 
and it's it's now like to the point of being kind of a dirt mall. Yeah. And I was like, wow, that yeah. just blew my mind. But I told Kevin, I was like, hey, I was born in New Orleans and it meant a lot to see a lot of uh, places that I remember as a kid be in this movie, mm-hmm. even though it's uh, attempting to make it look like various parts of the country. <laughs> uh, right. But right. but yeah, I mean, that was that was just like a shock for me yeah. to see. Um, so. But ba- yeah, so like with with Kevin, obviously, after Mallrats, kind of going back and getting a little bit more like uh, like Chasing Amy is obviously a very different movie from uh, from Clerks and even from Mallrats, the way he shot it and put it together. But kind of yeah. just going back that smaller scale uh, is what I love, you know, about Jimmy World. Like they, they signed to the major label and they have two records that don't do so well. And that looks like the end of, you know, them being a major label band. But then with Bleed American, they literally just do it their own way. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? Like they're like, okay, well, this is who we, we believe in ourselves. So we're going to produce this. We're going to put this together and then you're going to buy it from us. (laughs) Right. Like you're going to want this from us. And so, you know, just the way in, in a similar way where, where Kevin just goes and, you know, literally builds a career for himself because he could have flopped with mall rats and been like all right screw this you know like it was fun while it lasted this wasn't fun you know like i'm sure he had fun making the movie and all that kind of stuff but to get the reaction and to to see it not pan out the way you're hoping for like that could be disheartening but instead he's like all right i'm gonna i'm just gonna make what i like and what i love and that's what i'm going to worry about is making the movies i want and so like jimmy world with bleed american just going all right you don't want to put this out but we're going to do, you know, what, and if they've like, they paid for that record. Did they not like up front? Yeah. 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 And Mark, so, like, Trimbino, Mark Trimbino did it for free, but I yeah. hope he got paid back in some sort of way. <laughs> He's, no, nope. After all these years. No. Um, yeah. But like that very fitting, obviously with, with Kevin, obviously like with clerks in that he just paid for it. You know, he obviously had his, his ways to fund that movie and he wasn't going to let, not having funding stop him. He was going to make it happen. So, uh, I think, I think it's pretty great, but, um, but then kind of like in a, in a, in a similar way, but with the band Weezer, Grunge leg drop new 
my heart stop listening to Chocho Sand Fall in love all over again I think we make a good team And you would keep my fingernails clean But that's just a stupid dream that I won't realize Cause I can't even look in your eyes Without shaking and I ain't faking I'll bring home the turkey if you bring home the bacon I'm trying because they they you can you can say they did the same thing that Kevin Smith does, but you can say it with a negative sort of connotation, right? Where you're just like, yeah, con- like it's like okay, Weezer obviously releases the Blue Album, it does phenomenal, and then they come right. back for that second record, and you kind of alluded to them a little bit earlier on without saying their name, but how you know now you've got all this attention on you, and they release Pinkerton, which. Hands down, I bet you if I went around and I asked people like you and myself, we would probably say that's our favorite Weezer record. Am I am I safe in assuming that Pinkerton is your favorite? It's or, a toss-up between Blue Album and say, Pinkerton. Or or that's the answer. Or it's a toss-up between Blue and Pinkerton. But it, nothing yeah. nothing that comes after that is typically someone's favorite Weezer record, right? Like um but I, I'm, we, go I'm, ahead. I'll just say that when you know people that are ride or die weezer fans yeah you're kind of i'm i'm like i'm so afraid of like offending them but it's (laughs) just like i'll just speak for myself and i'm not discounting what their experience is oh for sure like it's just that the blue album in pinkerton there's something about the charm of it yes of, of those records that has never really been captured since yeah now they have lots of great songs that they have released from the green album all the way up to 
you know, uh, Van Weezer, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it, it's not, but they don't necessarily connect with me then say like, you know, the good life or, uh, no one else or, uh, you know, <laughs> El Scorcho. Right. Uh, and and it, it was just like it was Pinkerton was a record that was absolutely hated by a lot of Weezer fans yeah. at, when it first came out. But then they came back around to it. And because of the fact that Weezer had influenced a lot of bands that uh, were considered very Midwest, mid to late 90s emo. That's why Weezer got retroactively known as an emo band. Yeah. Uh, because when they came out, you know, it was just like they were kind of this funny alternative rock band that Rick Ocasek had produced their first record. They self-produce their next record, and it's this very raw record. And I'm not sure that Rivers Cuomo has been that raw and honest ever since Pinkerton because he was embarrassed by that record yeah. for years and years and years. And so there's kind of been this weird trajectory. I mean, they've always been a major label band. But um, it's it's kind of like they're at a point where they're just doing whatever they want to do. And, hey, I, I give credit to that. It doesn't necessarily mean that that's what I personally want to hear. Yeah. But I'm yeah. all about artistic expression. And if Rivers wants to put out like a hair metal record or do a it. yacht rock record yeah. or a covers record, do See, whatever makes you happy. And th And that's a valid point, because the thing about. I think the thing about Weezer and Rivers in particular is that he's kind of on, he's for me anyways, he's close to like Dave Grohl level of do whatever you want. You kind of have that permission as it were, yeah, right? Because absolutely Foo Fighters are, you know, another band where I haven't really been interested in their music for quite some time. Like I've checked out albums here and there. Having said that, like with Weezer, I enjoy make believe like I wouldn't say like that they have records that they put out where I can't find something to enjoy on them. But after Pinkerton, it's been well documented that, you know, rivers literally went, okay, I'm not doing that again, you know? Right. And so kind of just started writing. No, I don't want to say meaningless songs necessarily, but that definitely became that vulnerability that was on Pinkerton was gone that rawness that was on in the production of Pinkerton was gone and kind of back to that uh more polished sound which is interesting because like with the blue album that was their first record and it was shiny and it was clean um but they still had that I think it was you know they were playing with house money maybe <laughs> you know it's yeah. like they're just free and doing whatever and then Pinkerton comes around and it's kind of like yeah that kind of stung a little bit right um and so in a similar sense to where, you know, Kevin could have said, oh, the fact that Mallrats wasn't well received, that stung a little bit, could have just went, all right, you know, we're not, I'm, I'm done. Uh, Weezer could have done that. I'm done after Pinkerton, but instead just continued putting out records. And I even like, like, I, I really like Green Album. Like it's a, it's a great album as far as like putting it on and enjoying the songs. Yeah. But, you know, they're just like the story of that band is always like, oh, what could have, it's interesting. What could have been had had either Pinkerton been a little bit more of a, of an actual hit in the time um, versus it being, like you said, like retroactively, like now much like clarity, people look back on that record and they go, Oh, that record's actually really good. You know, had that, had that reception been straight up front or had rivers kind of went, okay, 
that sucked, but whatever. This is the songwriter I am now and continued down that path. I'm curious to see like what Weezer would have become rather than going like, okay, let's write, you know, basically bubblegum pop rock songs. Yeah. Uh, something that I, this is such a silly grudge that I've held against Weezer, but when they reformed and they went on tour mm -hmm. for what would eventually become the green album, they played a bunch of new songs yeah and a song that they never have properly released but was a great song and i downloaded an mp3 of a live version of it it's a song called preacher's son mm. and i mean it's a super super catchy song i mean like the verses are super catchy and then the chorus is just fantastic and so it, it was all like I, I remember getting the green album and thinking, oh, this is pretty good, but none of these songs are as good as Preacher's Son. And then like the single was Hash Pipe. I was like, yeah. what is this? <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. And but you also have like Island in the Sun. And then with mm -hmm. Maladroit, you have Keep Fishing, which is such a super pop power pop little yeah. ditty. Um, but uh, but yeah, I mean. It's it's like I wouldn't say that I'm more like the Leslie Jones character in that SNL sketch, but I'm definitely <laughs> not the Matt Damon character. Right. Um, and I have known people that are the Matt Damon character and yeah. that can get very upset with you if you are all like, you know what? After Matt Sharp left Weezer, you know, I, I kind of lost interest in the band or it, yeah. it, it just it just it doesn't really connect with me and then it's like no you don't understand you got to listen to you know this this song on on the red album or <laughs> you know you know or the black album you know stuff like that yeah. um and uh you know it it, it just kind of comes down to this it's like when weezer has like so many records that you can get into you know there's no pressure to like the thing um but it's it's kind of like if if you're gonna throw some shade, better be ready for uh, some blowback if you're gonna say that around Weezer super fans. Oh, for sure. And uh, I like Rivers is just so much fun to watch in, like, because he's so he's so awkward. Um, yes. <laughs> like, so yeah. I've seen them. I think I only saw them once. It was on the they were touring the Green album. Yeah. I don't recall seeing them after that, but. Uh, mm -hmm. Yeah, like he totally like hardly said anything between songs, but the one thing I remember him saying was I I forget which song ends, but a song ends and he's just like, "Deadpan, we're back with a vengeance," and then goes into the next song. And I was like, "Yeah, that's literally like one of the only things I remember uh, from seeing Weezer that and being incredibly annoyed that they played um, that they played an encore because it was." one of those encores where you're like, well, obviously you're planning on coming back out because you haven't played Buddy Holly yet. Yeah. You know? It's like, <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, I saw uh, Coldplay when a rush of blood to the head was out and they were touring that album. Right. And I was like, mm -hmm. yeah, you're coming out for an encore because you haven't played clocks yet. You know, it's like this massive <laughs> song. I'm like, those kind of encores drive me nuts because part of me wants to be like, you know, if I'm that fan that's there to see, because I've heard this song on the radio and I want to see that song and you don't play it. I'm like, encores, I feel like they're supposed to be earned, you know? And sure, let's say 99% of the time they are, and they're just expected that they'll be earned, right? But when the band saves what is arguably their biggest song at that time, if they haven't topped it, 
for the encore, I'm kind of like, ah, that's a little, it's a little much for me. Like, cause yeah. what if, what if we were like, boo, you didn't play buddy Holly. Don't come back. Yeah. <laughs> and they're yeah. like, all right, we won't come back for an encore. Shit. They were going to play buddy Holly in the encore. <laughs> so yeah, bands, I- if you're listening, if you got massive songs, just play them in your set. Do something special with the encore. You know what I mean? Yeah. You know what I mean, but I mean it's it's like Metallica's attitude in the 90s was they're going to open the sets with Inner Sandman so people right. stop yelling for it. That's smart. Yeah. You know, and it's funny like going back to MXPX, like I don't know if a show has gone by outside of maybe like the shows they were doing on the internet there through the pandemic like quarantine sort of stuff like like yeah. maybe those ones because they started really diving into their library a little bit more, but I don't know if there's ever been since the song was released um a show that they've played live in a building where they didn't close with punk rock show, you know? Yeah. So it just becomes the encore and everyone's like, well, yeah, you're going to play it. You're going to play it. And do we need to chant one more song or punk rock show? Like we know you're coming out. So well, it's, it, it's uh, like Pennywise. I mean, a show is not done until bro him is played. Right. Yeah. Um, and I once saw a quote, I think from Fletcher that said, uh, no matter how good or bad the show goes, it always ends on a positive note because we end with bro him every time. Right. And, I, and, and I everyone's thought, singing along. Yeah. Yeah. And like, you know, especially the full circle version. Yeah. My Lord, that's, that's an incredible, incredibly emotional thing to listen to. Right. And it's funny because it literally gets used as like, uh, goal celebrations or touchdown celebrations at sporting events. <laughs> Just the woes. Like, I think it was the Anaheim. Oh, the Anaheim Ducks, I don't know if they're still using it. They for sure used it at one point. Like when the Ducks would score a goal, um, a variation of it would play and the whole crowd would sing, whoa, whoa. Like as like play kind of started back up again, it was interesting. It's kind of interesting. But like when you think about what the song's about, I'm like, oh, I don't know if that's really fitting. <laughs> right. <laughs> but here we are. It's That's the way music goes, man. You put it out there and people are going to use it. Well, yeah, I mean, like how Seven Nation Army is a chant uh, all throughout Europe for uh, soccer teams or football yep. teams. Yep. Uh, you know, for for my football club, uh, Manchester City, Kevin De Bruyne, people will say, oh, Kevin De Bruyne. You know, it's amazing. I, yeah. I, like European sports fans in general are incredible. Like I've watched um, a couple different soccer games recently actually which i'm not a i'm not a huge soccer fan like re uh, not just a couple weeks ago uh canada was hosting was mexico and i want to say costa rica in world cup qualifying games here in edmonton yeah. Yeah. It, was, it was funny because when they when they announced it it was like you're gonna host outdoor soccer games yeah. in edmonton in the middle uh-huh. of november yeah are you sure and so there is now iconic goal celebration footage from the canada mexico game when canada went yep. up two nothing have you seen yep. it where the guy like just full sends into the snowbank to celebrate the goal man when i was watching that i was just like absolutely elated like so i was watching a hockey game it ended and i was like oh yeah that, that soccer game's on tonight i should put it on and so i caught about three about three quarters of the game yeah. and um so i saw all the important stuff all the goals and the jumping into snowbanks and i was like man soccer's soccer's fun and you know, that game felt like a game where it was two soccer teams that were trying to convince hockey fans to like soccer because mm-hmm. it was it was very chippy and obviously being outside cold in the weather, like there was there was just a different element to it. 
Yeah. So I started, you know, on, you know, a Saturday or a Sunday, if I'm just sitting around and not really doing much, I'm like, well, there's tons of soccer games on. And, you know, I have a, a subscription to a sports channel that has like all the, the German league games. I can't remember the name of the Bundesliga. The, there you go. And so I, I just love watching it just to hear the names and, you know, but the crowds, even that, like just they're singing the whole time, right? Like it doesn't stop. And so it's just, it's so much fun to watch. Even like, uh, when there's like your or like hockey tournaments in Europe and you know a European team's playing, their fans are singing different songs and chants the whole time. It's absolutely yeah. like it's it's mind boggling. It's great. So um yeah. yeah, the the Seven Nation Army thing I've heard so many different variations of because oh if the name fits, we're singing it. <laughs> yeah. And that's fandom, folks. Yeah. Are you are you a Ted Lasso fan? I have Lasso? a believe uh piece of paper above my desk at work and i and i tap it (laughs) a couple of times yeah i i am yeah ted lasso has made a very positive impact on my life Uh, i think that's been the case for so many people yeah and uh, and just like this past the second season just yeah uh, honestly some episodes really blew me away we are uh, I'll say we're halfway through the second season right now, give or take an episode. Um, we, we like, I tend to wait, like, especially when there's shows that are released an episode at a time. I'm like, I'm going to wait till they're all out. Yeah. Uh, so I can kind of like watch it more. And we don't really binge. We usually only watch one episode at a time, but then I can be like, you know, each night watch an episode of Ted Lasso until it's done or whatever. Right. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the, the Emmys that that show won well-deserved. Well, yeah. like it's, it is an incredible show and it blows my mind to just see like how much outside of being like, oh man, that show's funny or that show's enjoyable. Just people talking about how much Ted Lasso as a character and you know, what happens in that show has affected them or impacted them in like their everyday life. Yeah. That, it blows my mind, but it's yeah. so good. So good. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know fandom is a good thing and and it's just like when it comes to ted lasso i mean it has had such a positive impact on in our household Mm -hmm. uh where you know we got caught up with it um and early into the second season and so we would look forward to every new episode when it would run and the christmas episode i don't know if you've gotten to it yeah 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 we just watched it. okay i when i watched it i said to hope and was like i have to watch this again or when it gets closer to Christmas, because it's like such a magical Christmas yeah. kind of uh, episode. And it's like, I need something different to watch other than, you know, Charlie Brown's Christmas. <laughs> right. Well, and so we like to, it's, I think it's immediately found its place for us. Cause usually every Christmas at some point in time, we like to go through and watch like the Christmas specials or episodes, or whatever, of some of our favorite shows. So like most consistently, it's always finding all the Christmas episodes of the office and watching all the Christmas episodes on the OC. Um, and then like, but I'm like that Ted Lasso one immediately. I'm like, yeah, that could be one that we return to. As long as I have Apple TV plus, that is easily one that I could return to and be like, Hey, it's Christmas. Let's watch this one. You know, yeah. uh, it's, it's fantastic. But I think, um, I think we talked about everything we wanted to talk about. Yeah. Yeah. Kevin Smith, Ted Lasso, punk rock band. <laughs> yeah. Ted Lasso wasn't on the list, but uh, it, it, like, you just talk about, you know, the Kevin Smith in a similar way to music, 
has affected people's lives, has impacted, you know, you can say for sure yourself has impacted your life. And, and mm-hmm. now Ted Lasso's doing the same. So there you go. Yeah, <laughs> we got to tie it in somehow. <laughs> I mean, I dressed as Ted Lasso t- for work uh, two oh, days awesome. before Halloween. That's awesome. And almost nobody got it. That's too bad. <laughs> yeah. Like I have a puffer jacket that has AFC Richmond on it. I was wearing a visor. Yeah. And I was wearing, you know, glasses. But oh, most man. people, well, only one coworker of mine said like, oh, you're Ted Lasso. Everybody else was like, who are, who you? are you? Yeah. Yeah. No, it's a, it's a great show. But that is going to wrap up this show, which is yeah. not as great, but fun, we hope. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so thanks for listening to the show. Wherever you're listening to it, make sure you rate it, review, you subscribe to the show, share it with your friends, uh, that kind of good stuff. You can follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Twitter? What the, on Instagram Twitter. and Twitter. <laughs> Instagram and Twitter at Growing Punk Pod. Uh, but yeah, that will do it for this one. So thanks a lot for hanging out, friends. <laughs>